the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I spent a month in Israel right after I graduated from high school. While uh, walking down the streets of Jerusalem with my uncle, he spotted a tour bus that had the silhouette of the three magi riding their camels on the rear of the bus. Under the image it read, Wiseman Tours. You know, nephew, I do not believe I would ever go on a tour with them, he said. <laughs> Why is that, uncle? I don't think I can trust them to get me to where I want to go. After all, the wise men had to stop and ask for directions. <laughs> After all these years, I still laugh about that incident. But as time has passed, I have come to see how really important it is to stop and ask for directions as to how best to follow the guidance we have been given. When we are left to interpret on our own God's guidance, doing this solely by ourselves, we're going to follow our own cleverly devised schemes. And we're going to remain lost. And we're going to wander in the wilderness of our own lives. I mean, after all, we're Americans. Don't tell us which way to go. We'll find our own way. But even in that context of us as our country, we always seek guidance and we look for holy direction. The Feast of the Epiphany reminds us that God manifests himself clearly to us, shows forth his nature in this child of Bethlehem. He does lead us and guide us through others. He leads us and guides us through others and directs us so that we can follow in the path where he doth lead. For our magi, who were more than likely astrologers, they were guided by the light of God. And it was by something they were familiar with, a star. This is what they felt comfortable with. This is what they knew. God will provide us guidance too in things that we are familiar with in things that we are comfortable with. You know, at the Nativity, God spoke to the Gentiles. He spoke to them through nature and philosophy. And to the Jews, he spoke to them through the law and through the prophets. These were things that they were familiar with. And in the process of speaking to them, they knew, the world knew, the time was ripe for the coming of the Messiah. At some deep level, it wasn't a surprise when the angels appeared, or the shepherds heard their voice, or the magi began to make their march to Bethlehem. A vestige of the truth of God swelled within them, it swelled within the souls of these wise men, and it propelled them to follow a star, to find him 
the star out of Jacob, lying in a Bethlehem manger. And there they worshiped him. Another group of individuals, they experienced a vestige of the truth of God. They experienced it principally in their intellect when they created a shrine to the unknown God. You might be familiar with that story. These are the Greeks whom Paul comes across. They create this shrine to the unknown God because they so ardently longed for knowing the true God. But they didn't have words or the experience to see and know him. Upon hearing St. Paul's illumination to the identity of this unknown God, the truth of what they longed for was revealed and it manifestly shone in their hearts. These individuals serve as models of what it means to be open to a brilliant, shining guidance of God and then be willing to be directed by someone to where God leads. On the other hand, we have Herod. Herod, who will forever be the model of those who make inquiries about religion, but who never act rightly on the knowledge of what they receive. How could a child under two years of age, who has no followers as of yet, has not uttered a single word, be considered a danger to society, be considered a threat to the way the world is. So much so that Herod decides he must be destroyed. The answer to that question might be found by what Archbishop Fulton Sheen once said. It must surely have been because those who possess the spirit of the world conceal an instinctive hatred and jealousy of God who reigns over human hearts. The hatred the second Herod would show Christ at his death had its prologue in his father, Herod the Great, who shows such hatred for Christ as a babe. Herod was fearful that he who came to bring a heavenly crown would steal away his own tinsel one. Herod pretended he wanted to inquire about this child so that I might be able to bring him gifts. But the only gift Herod wanted to bring was death. Archbishop Sheen says a very poignant point. Men can make two inquiries about Christ. They can inquire either to worship him or to harm him. And if we think that we're not harming him because we are being neutral, 
we are harming him. We are not manifesting him to the world. Some would even make use of religion for their own evil designs, as Herod made use of the wise men. Inquiries about religion do not bring the same result in the human heart. What men and women ask about divinity is never as important as why they ask the question. We can get so caught up in our minds asking, what happened in Bethlehem? What does this mean? That we don't ask, why do I want to know? The paramount question for you and I is this. Why am I drawn to this holy child of Bethlehem? Why do I want to hear the Christmas story again? The answer, I hope, is because we know we have been guided by him, by the brightness of the Father's love. Some vestige of God's eternal truth resides within us. It moves us. It propels us to seek him. And then, as we seek, we are directed. And who directs us? Holy Mother Church. She directs us, and she shows us where we can find him. And where is he? He is in the apostles' teaching and fellowship, in the breaking of the bread, and in the prayers. We want him to be born in our hearts today. We want him to be born in our hearts every day. When he is born in our hearts, our lives are different. Just like the Magi, when we encounter him, we cannot go back the same way we came. Our lives will be different, for we've encountered the Christ. And every hope, every desire, every longing can and is satisfied in him. The Magi, they leave Bethlehem. And the scripture, Matthew's gospel tells us, they left with joy, satisfaction, supreme contentment, worshiping God. They didn't begin the conversation, well, is he true God or true man? Homo oisios or homoi oisios? They were content with seeing God face to face. And everything they had asked for, everything they had hoped for, they see in the face who is the light of nations. Therefore, my brothers and sisters in Christ, we must inquire of him rightly and with a holy purpose. Not like Herod, who 
saw the Holy Child as a threat to his own power and self-centeredness. So let your answer to the question why you desire to seek him be that you want to know him, love him, serve him, be happy with him in this world, and live with him in that world that has no end. Because if that is your answer, you will never, ever want to go back from whence the way you came. Let us stand and profess our faith.